The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 11. And uh, would you look at verses uh, 23 down to uh, verse number 31 with me? You can stay seated right where you're at. I won't ask you to stand again. But uh, verse number 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse number 23. uh, The Bible says, For I have received of the Lord uh, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he he brake it and said, Take Uh, Eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves... Uh, we should not be judged. As we, um, we come around uh, the Lord's table tonight, I know uh, many have different words, uh, communion and, and uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, we call it His table. This is, uh, this is His table. He gathered the disciples around His table, and He told us uh, to do this as His church. It's an, it's an ordinance, just like baptism, that God has given to His church. Not only is it uh, something that uh, we do uh, within the local New Testament church, uh, but it is only, just like baptism, to believers. In other words, if, if you are a believer, in a sense of you have uh, entered into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is your Savior, you've been born again, uh, the Bible says that you, uh, you are able to partake of the Lord's Supper. There's another warning that goes with this to believers. Not only do you need to be a believer, but the Bible says you need to be in good fellowship uh, in the local New Testament church in a sense of uh, that you don't have, you're not living in open sin. And uh, you're not in unrepentant sin. I just want to give you uh, three things from this passage of uh, of Scripture tonight before uh, we observe the Lord's table. And just quickly, the first reason that God gives us for the purpose of the Lord's table is that we would have uh, remembrance, that we would remember. Uh, Did anybody have a problem with their memory? Maybe a little bit. You forget some things, and, you know, often we forget. Uh, Anybody ever forget something important, like your wife's birthday or your anniversary or one of your children's names? Uh, You know, uh, these are important things. Uh, If you have to ask me what my kids' social security numbers were tonight, I probably would would fudge a little bit and not be able to uh, give you those things. But you understand, sometimes even things that are important to us they either become ordinary to us so that we don't remember them the way that we should, or we, uh, we kind of overlook them. Uh, we begin to take them for granted. As a matter of fact, it's the warning that uh, Paul was giving to this church that was at, uh, at Corinth. They were, they were kind of just always observing the Lord's table. It was more about eating and drinking and it was more about kind of what they had was a very party spirit there in the church, and it was more about just kind of, 
you know, having dinner and, and, and fellowshipping together and doing what they, but they were overlooking the purpose, if you would, of the Lord's table, the reason why. And so Paul was giving them instruction. He said, hey, listen, you're not coming uh, because you're hungry and you want to have a meal here. Uh, you're coming because we're doing this to remember the Lord's table. Obviously, we're not serving uh, a meal large enough for you tonight to even be filled. And so uh, that kind of uh, thing is, but when they would have this, uh, often they would sit at, at a large table together uh, in homes and places as the church would, and they would, they would have these large meals uh, and uh, it was more about kind of them, and it became more about you know, their fellowship and what they want to do rather than what was supposed to be accomplished. You know, some things are, that should be important to God's church uh, can get overlooked for other things that we would prefer to do. I, I don't know about you, but I like getting together and having fellowships. I like having meals with people. I, I enjoy this. The Bible's not condemning uh, doing those things, but we're not supposed to do that here when we observe the Lord's table. Uh, sometimes uh, what often is supposed to be special to us can become ordinary to us. Uh, if you notice, we don't, we don't observe the Lord's table every time we have a service. There's a reason for that, because sometimes we just, uh, it's a, we're, we're creatures of habit. Sometimes we do things habitually, and we're not really thinking about why we're doing them. They lose their specialness, or uh, there should be a desire for this. As, as God's church, we have a hunger. Uh, we want to come together to remember uh, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of some reasons in your heart tonight uh, why we should remember uh, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? In remembering what Christ has done to us, it brings value, if you would, to the Christian life. It helps us to understand what he purchased. I mean, think about it. The Lord Jesus Christ values you so much that he shed his blood, he allowed his body to be broken so that he could purchase your redemption. Think about the value, how he values you. I wonder sometimes at how we uh, kind of, uh, we're living our lives, sometimes it almost is like we're not valuing things that we should. And that's kind of what happens in life sometimes is we don't value uh, what we should. Things get out of whack. Priorities uh, need to be rearranged. Sometimes there's a call for that. Anybody ever have that in your life where you have to rearrange your priorities because perhaps time is not being spent where it should? Uh, uh, husbands and wives, you know this is often. If you're going to keep a healthy marriage, you have to re- rearrange some priorities to make sure you spend proper time together. Uh, if you're a parent, you understand you have to sometimes rearrange priorities in order that you give proper attention to your children. Uh, as Christians, we understand that priorities sometimes have to be arranged in order that we give proper attention to God's church and to the Word of God and to prayer. Come on, sometimes, uh, isn't it that we need to rearrange our priorities so that we spend more time in the Word of God and in prayer? Uh, and uh, our priorities sometimes get out of whack, don't they? To where we spend time doing other things that are less important. But the less important will always call for our time. Hey, church, tonight, you know, uh, as a church, there's a lot of things that we do. There's a lot of ministries we had. I I really appreciated that uh, our young people got to play the last three days and and have that time. But let me me just tell you, that's not as important as what we're doing tonight. Uh, uh, There's a lot of great things that we can do. But you notice sometimes people rally around those things because we love doing those things And really, we need to reprioritize that we would love doing this. This is so important for us uh, as God's church. And and, uh, sometimes we love doing other things. We love uh, enjoying these other parts. And and listen, I'm I'm all for it. Sometimes uh, we need to have that fun and that fellowship, but not at the expense of what's most important. And this is foundational to God's church. It's something that God tells us to do in remembrance. Not only is there a remembrance, but number two, uh, there's a need for repentance, isn't there? 
As, as, as Paul is talking to this church at Corinth, at Corinth he, he says in verse number 27, he says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You know, sometimes people approach the Lord's table this way. Uh, they come and they say, well, we're going to have the Lord's table, and so I need to make sure that I just... Confess all my sins and make sure that I'm right with the Lord. You know, confession without repentance really is, is often just us trying to alleviate our, ourselves of our guilt with no intention uh, to walk away from that sin. You know, that, that's, that's really uh, sometimes what we do when we confess. We're, we're trying to alleviate ourselves of guilt, but we know that we intend to. We don't intend to change anything, reorder anything in our lives that we might not ever go back to doing that thing. Repentance is a change of mind. It's not just a change in what we do. It's a change in how we think about what we've done. In other words, when I approach something that I know God's word says is wrong, if I've truly repented in God's word about it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, I don't want to go back to ever doing that again. And I know most of us would say that tonight when it comes to sins that we commit We would say, I never want to go back to doing that again. But I wonder, how are we reordering? How are we really truly repenting by changing our mind and changing our actions so that we not return to that? But really the key is, the key is, is not in what we do. It's what we allow the Lord Jesus Christ to do in our heart with his precious blood. Isn't it his blood that washes away our sin? Isn't it his his sacrifice that has set us free from the bonds of sin the slavery that we were in to sin. What God is truly saying here in his word is that no Christian should be enslaved to sin. We shouldn't have sin. Let not sin reign, the Bible says, in your mortal body. That means your sin is the boss. How many of you know that if you don't repent, you don't confess, forsake, repent of a sin, before long that sin becomes the boss of your life. It controls your life. It consumes your life. It becomes so much a part of your life that uh, uh, you, you almost cannot go uh, uh, periods of time without committing it because it just is the control. And boy, uh, doesn't our flesh, doesn't our flesh battle for that control? Desires to have that control. Listen to me tonight as we come to observe the Lord's table. Uh, our spirit as a church should not be just one of confession. It should be one of repentance. It's that we're saying that uh, if there's sin that's in my heart, that's in my life, I'm asking God to completely remove that uh, from me. And not just God changed my desires, but God changed my heart. God, uh, help, me to, help me to want what you want, to love what you love. And, and really, here's the key tonight. If we love Jesus, if we love Jesus, we're going to love what he w- loves. We're going to desire what he desires. The truth is sometimes that we're trying to stop doing things when we should be falling back in love with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you spend all your time focusing on your sin and little time focusing on Jesus, you're not ever going to get the victory over that sin. The truth is, is your sin doesn't need more focus. Neither does mine. What we need is to focus more on Jesus. That's what this is tonight. We're going to focus more on Jesus, not less on Jesus. A lot of times we focus so much more on ourselves, even when we come to church. We can really focus on ourselves instead of focusing on the Lord. It is by focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I get the victory over our sin. It's by uh, uh, our desire being to him uh, that we stay away from, walk away from those things that cause us to commit spiritual adultery. Are you with me tonight? 
Uh, he, he is the one that deserves our commitment. Uh, he is the one that we entered into a relationship with. And when we go and we uh, enter into sin, what we truly are doing is we're committing spiritual adultery on God. We're, 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 we're cheating on God. And uh, the truth is our commitment is to the Savior. Boy, we have this flesh, don't we? And it just, by its nature, just goes against everything God's Word uh, says. But here's the thing. Greater, uh, greater is He that is in us. The, the, the Lord Jesus Christ that is in us, the Holy Spirit of God that indwells us, gives us the power to overcome. Gives us the power to overcome. The truth is, tonight, you don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't, you don't have to be a slave uh, uh, to, to the things that plague you, that cause you to live in guilt and shame all the time. You should not be a slave to those things. And boy, the world, the flesh, and the devil will quickly enslave us. Uh, not only is it about remembrance, but it's also about repentance. Would you turn just back a couple chapters, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5. Paul was, was speaking here about a, a specific incident in God's church. And and he says this, he says, notice, notice the, the terminology here. It is reported, what's that next word? Commonly. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Wow. What a, what a statement to a church. He's saying it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication, notice the kind of fornication, as it is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife, and ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Notice verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. In the Bible, leaven is a picture of sin. And what's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, a little sin in the church causes destruction. It causes infection. It leaveneth the whole lump. Notice verse number seven, the command, purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. What's he talking about? The Lord's table. That we would keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must uh, ye needs go out uh, of the world." But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. So we're talking about Christians. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, 
with such an one know not to eat. Notice, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do you not judge that are, uh, that are within? But them that are without, God judges, judges, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Notice what uh, Paul, his terminology, notice he's heavy, he's heavy-handed here in a sense of saying there needs to be repentance, there needs to be correction, there needs to be discipline uh, when it comes to God's church. This whole idea that people can just come into church and, and live their lives the way they want to live their lives and join themselves uh, to a local New Testament church doesn't fly with God. And listen, I understand that as a human being, as a pastor, uh, I'm, not, I'm not all-knowing. Uh, I don't know what everybody that calls themselves a member of our church does in their downtime and their off time. But I do know that if God brings uh, to my lap something uh, that uh, uh, there's something that's seen here uh, uh, that, that's wrong, that's sinful, it's my, uh, it's my job, it's the church's job that we, we purge that out, that we correct that. You know one thing that the Lord's table does? It purges the church. You know, a lot of people that understand truly the Lord's table when it's announced, and actually I prefer it, they stay away. And the truth is, uh, that's the way that it should be. Because the Lord's table purges out, it cleans out, because people understand the warning, they understand, uh, you know what it does? It purifies God's church. You say, you don't want everybody to be a part? No, uh, I wish really everybody would be a part of the Lord's table tonight, but not because just so that we could have more people observing tonight, but that so everybody was right with the Lord tonight. You know, that's what the Lord's table does. It brings us to a place as God's church where we're saying it's important that our sins are confessed, that we have repented in our hearts, that we're living a life to where it's not reported commonly among us that we're living a lifestyle of sin. And notice not only uh, remembrance and repentance, but lastly, uh, just the term, I want to throw this in here because this is what happens when we do this, revival. Revival's not a meeting. Revival's not a day. I know sometimes we have meetings for the purpose of causing us to focus on revival, really. But the truth is, is revival is when God's children return to a right state of operation. It's when we're right with the Lord. Revival can happen. It just depends on people being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and responding to what he wants to do. You know what keeps a church from having revival? Us not responding to the Holy Spirit of God and his word. We can have revival, but nobody can bring, I can't bring revival. Uh, it doesn't matter. Listen, uh, I, I could preach as hard and as heavy, uh, and, and, and really, uh, nothing could happen. I mean, I look at, I look at uh, uh, many preachers have preached and, and not had great results in their preaching. It didn't have to do with their preaching or what they were saying. A lot of times, boy, it just has to do with the response of the people, doesn't it? You know what we are responsible for as a church? To respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me tonight? Should we not be sensitive to His Spirit? I mean, everything that's in this world hardens us, doesn't it? it? It causes us to harden our heart and stiffen our neck. And boy, it's almost like survival skills, isn't it? It's like we have to be that way in order to survive in this world. But sometimes, you know what we do? We carry that into God's church. I know some of you, some of you uh, men and ladies, you work jobs, and, and some of your jobs require you to be tough, and you, you're going to have to you know, be strong, and you're in leadership, or you have people under you, and all those different things. And sometimes, you know, uh, we're, we're living in that world, we're breathing in that world, and then we don't understand. Boy, we're in God's church, 
And we should be sensitive as God's church to what the Holy Spirit of God wants us to do. You know, the, the, the Lord's table helps us to have that spirit again. The one thing that God's church should have is, is purity and a desire for revival. I don't know about you tonight, but I need revival in my own heart. How about you? I need that. You know, we can have that tonight. God's not saying, oh, I'm going to withhold that to the, the, this kind of church. You have to become this kind of church before you can have. No, no. Sometimes I think we think that. Revival. Listen, even people getting saved, people getting saved does not bring revival. You know, you know the truth is, I, I think uh, people getting saved is a byproduct of revival. It's when God's people get right. And we, we, we listen to the, what the Word of God has to say, and we draw closer uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, if every single one of us tonight takes a step in the direction of Jesus Christ, we move closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. If He's the goal, what's going to happen? We're all going to draw closer to each other. It's how it works. Boy, if we all draw closer to Jesus, we will, just by, just by that very action, be drawn closer to each other as God's church. That's the way that it is. See, I'm not, I'm not the one you need to draw closer to tonight. You're not the one that I need to draw closer to, the, to tonight. Jesus is the one that we draw closer to. And by doing so, we all will be brought closer to one another. Uh, listen, I understand that a lot of times uh, the Lord's table, it, you know, we read 1 Corinthians 11, we pass, out, we pass out the crackers, we pass out the juice, we say a few words, we pray a few prayers, we come in, we come out, but it should not be that way. It should not be that way. It's so important that we as a church understand the, not only the purpose of the Lord's table and its remembrance, repentance, and revival, but also in a sense of that as, as a church, we have a desire to be closer to Jesus tonight, not to be distant. You ever feel distance in your relationship with Christ? It's not because of him. It's because of us, isn't it? We're the ones that distance ourselves from Jesus. And whenever we distance ourselves from him, there's a reason for that. It's because we're loving something more than him. I wonder tonight, what should we come before the Lord and say, God, I I really, I've been loving myself more than you. God, I've been loving this uh, more than you. I've been putting these areas. I've been making excuses, Lord, but I want to take a step in your direction. What does he say? Draw nigh to me and I will what? Draw nigh to you. You know what I want to say to you tonight? Uh, Wherever you're at, just take a step towards the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and watch him take a step towards you. Isn't it interesting that the father on the porch with the prodigal son never left the porch until he saw the son coming home? You know, once he took the steps towards the house, what did the father do? He leapt from the porch. He ran down the road. He met him along the way. Didn't he? He embraced him. He forgave him. He restored him. That's our savior tonight. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does. But you have to take us, you have to come to yourself. You have to realize where you're at. A lot of times we're in the pig pen, right? We're not where we should be. Uh, we've, we've done a lot of stupid things just like he had. And we've got to say, boy, it'd be better for me to be a servant in my father's house uh, than for me uh, to be on my own out here in the world. And truly tonight, that should be our step. Take a step down the path towards the Lord Jesus Christ and watch him in your life leap from the porch and embrace you and love you and restore you. That's Jesus Christ. That's what he does. And boy, that should be how we are too. As we are kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. We have a wonderful Savior in Jesus Christ tonight, don't we? Let's, let's gather together around his table tonight. The Bible says in John chapter 19, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and they led him away. He's already been beaten. He's already been scourged. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And uh, it's, it's, it's amazing what the Lord Jesus uh, went through. The Bible says these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. We come today and tonight to remember the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord uh, reminds us of that as he, he, he took the bread and he said, he said he had given thanks, he break and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And we say thank you, Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Aren't you glad he paid it all? Because we couldn't have paid any of it. We really couldn't have. We couldn't have paid one bit of it. And uh, so he paid it all. And truly tonight all to him we owe. And uh, thankful for that precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As, as we sang nothing but the blood, there's a fountain filled with blood. And it's amazing that uh, the Lord Jesus could take something that, that is, is gruesome, uh, like crucifixion and the cross and, and these things. And truly, as we, we just get a, a picture of that in our mind, we truly don't even grasp what Jesus Christ went through for us. But the Word of God does such a great job showing us uh, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He bore in His body for us. And uh, the Bible tells us further, after the same manner uh, as He did with the bread, He also took the cup. And when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Think, think about the Lord Jesus Christ blessing and thanking God for this. Thanking God for the fact that his body was going to be broken, thanking God for the fact that his blood was going to be shed. And he said, he said, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And we understand that Jesus didn't pass the cup. He took the cup. He was the only one that could take it. He was the only one that could offer it. And uh, his blood was shed on our behalf on that cross. And boy, when they came to pierced that side. There's nothing left. Jesus had shed all that blood from his body for us. And uh, boy, he took that up to that holy of holies up in heaven and, and sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat offered for our sins, that sacrifice, that atonement. And boy, uh, God said that is enough. That is, that is sufficient uh, to, to cause us to never have to be judged, never have to be punished, for any of our sin. I don't know about you tonight, but that's awesome. Because we will never be judged for our sin because of Jesus. Boy, we, we know that we deserve to be. But boy, his grace is sufficient, isn't it? His grace is sufficient. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And we remember the grace of God tonight is, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. He said, this do ye as oft as you drink it, 
in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, man. I appreciate you serving the church tonight. And uh, I'm thankful that we can serve together and have this fellowship tonight. You know, as much as the Corinthian church was getting fellowship wrong, sometimes we do too. This is fellowship. This is true fellowship. It accomplishes a purpose. It accomplishes a spiritual purpose in our lives. It draws us closer to the Lord. I'm glad for the fellowship tonight, aren't you? And I'm glad that we could come uh, tonight to, to do this. I hope tonight that as we have partaken of some physical elements, we have not missed the spiritual significance of these elements. And sometimes that's the danger, isn't it, that we even, you know, baptism, that some people overlook the spiritual significance because of the physical things. As often I try to remind people, there's nothing holy about the water, <laughs> you know, but it is a spiritual thing. And that we, we, we come tonight and we understand that it's just crackers and juice, but it's more than that, isn't it? Because of what it represents. It'd be kind of like just pointing at your wedding ring tonight and say, well, it's just, it's just metal and stone. No, it's more than that, isn't it? Because of the relationship it represents. So it becomes special to us. That's why this symbol becomes special to us. Because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at this, just like when I look at this, I remember a person that I'm committed to. When we look at this tonight, may we remember the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who we are committed to. Aren't you glad he's never breaking, never will break his commitment to us? And uh, that's what we come together to remember tonight. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.